The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. and a touchdown. Hello everyone, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring Steve Batterson who reflects on the Hawks' Big Ten road win at Indiana and previews this week's homecoming contest between Iowa and Maryland. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Maryland's interim head coach, Matt Canada. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which includes sports reporters Scott Docterman of The Athletic and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, former Iowa kicker Ron Colosi, and our own Tyler Chumeland and Jack Bransgard. The Iowa-Indiana game highlights are courtesy of ESPN2 with announcers Beth Moens and Anthony Brecht. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Blitz coming up the middle, picked up by Sargent. That gives Stanley time to find Brant in the end zone. Touchdown Iowa as he beat the linebacker and 28 yards later, he's in. May only be his third snap of the game, Beth. But I'm telling you now, if he's in the game, you better find him. Excellent block by the running back, Sergeant, in protection, and Fant. When your number's called in a limited basis today, he has become productive. Two touches, two TDs, both go to <laughs> tight ends. <laughs> How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. The Iowa Hawkeyes return to Kinnick Stadium Saturday after being gone for nearly a month to face a good Maryland team in front of the annual homecoming crowd. In fact, this will be the third consecutive homecoming game played by Iowa, obviously the first one at home. The Hawkeyes are coming off of two straight Big Ten road wins over Minnesota and Indiana, where the offense exploded for a total of 90 points, and the defense continued to be both salty and stingy pretty much as it has been all season long. The Hawkeyes are now 5-1, 2-1 in Big Ten play, tied with Wisconsin in the Big Ten West and one game behind Northwestern at the moment. Maryland is 4-2, 2-1 in the conference with wins over Texas, Bowling Green, Minnesota, and Rutgers. Its two losses have come at the hands of Michigan and Temple. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is in his 20th season in charge of the Hawkeyes with the winningest record in program history at 148-98 and 
he's also the dean of college football coaches. Maryland is currently operating with an interim head coach, Matt Campbell, after its head coach, D.J. Durkin, was suspended and placed on paid administrative leave before the season started. But Campbell has done a commendable job holding things together for the Terrapins. His record thus far is 4-2. and two. He is also continuing to serve as the Terps' offensive coordinator. This is only the third meeting between these two schools. They have each won the games previously played on their home fields in 2014 at Maryland and 2015 in Iowa City where the Hawks won 31-15. Saturday will be Iowa's 107th annual homecoming game. Its overall record in those contests is 58-43-5. It has won six of the last eight. The Hawkeyes are 18-5 on homecoming since 1995 and 14-4 since 2000 and they are 14-5 with Kirk Ferentz at the helm. In game notes, Iowa quarterback Nate Stanley has had some very impressive stats over the past four games, including these. Completing 66.4% of his passes for 1,199 yards and 14 touchdowns, throwing for over 300 yards in each of the last two games, both on the road in conference play. And now he's leading the offense that is the nation's most explosive on third downs, as regular Scott Docterman has pointed out, 673 yards on third down plays, 11 completions of 25-plus yards, and 16 completions of 15-plus yards. Nate's 15 TD passes this year ranks second in the Big Ten. His 41 career TDs has tied him fifth all-time in program history with Matt Rogers, and he's just too shy of tying Matt Sherman for fourth all-time in program history. Tight ends Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson have combined for 45 receptions, 692 receiving yards, and nine touchdowns. Hawkinson's average is 17.9 yards per catch. Fance is 12.9. Noah's six TDs ties him for third in the conference and for the most among all tight ends in the FBS. Meanwhile, Iowa's offensive line has surrendered just six sacks through the first six games. Defensively, Iowa continues to rank highly in key stats, allowing just 2.7 yards per carry on runs, that's fifth nationally, giving up just four rushing touchdowns one of only four defenses to do that. Second in the Big Ten in total defense, 282 yards. In rushing D, 81.5 yards. And in scoring defense, 16.5 points per game. The Hawkeyes are also fourth in passing defense, giving up 200.5 yards passing per game. And the Hawkeyes have accumulated 20 sacks, which is second in the Big Ten, with defensive ends Anthony Nelson and A.J. Epinesa leading the way with five apiece. And when it comes to special teams, the Hawkeyes' Amir Smith-Marset now leads the nation in kickoff returns, averaging 37.4 yards per return. The Terrapins rely almost exclusively on their running game, ranking 17th nationally in rush yards per game at 245.2. Their 6.2 yards per carry is 11th in the FBS, and they've achieved those numbers by relying heavily on deception and motion, and the offensive line is huge, averaging 311 pounds. Maryland is perfect in the red zone this season in 15 attempts, and it leads the conference in turnover margin at plus 1.5 per game. Its 12 INTs rank second nationally. The Terps also have an excellent kickoff return man. Their running back, Ty Johnson, is 11th nationally at 28.3 yards per return. In depth chart notes, by and large, the news is good for the Hawkeyes on the injury front. Both running back Ivory Kelly Martin and outside linebacker Nick Neiman are scheduled to return return 
for this game. The only starter still out is middle linebacker Jack Hockaday, who may return next week at Penn State. And while Iowa will start true freshman Julia Brents and Riley Moss once again at cornerback, both of the season-long starters, Matt Hankins and Michael Ojemudia, are now healthy and are listed on the two deeps for the Maryland game. In tidbits and nuggets, an Iowa win this Saturday will make the Hawkeyes bowl eligible for the 17th time in the last 18 seasons. The weather could be a factor Saturday, or at least the wind. The forecast as of right now is for mostly sunny skies and a high of 51. It'll be cooler, obviously, with the 11 a.m. kickoff at that time. But the wild card is the winds, predicted to average 18 miles per hour out of the northwest, with gusts in excess of 30 miles per hour. However, should be pointed out, with the construction of the new north end zone, it's likely the impact of those winds will be less than it used to be. And in any event, throwing 10 to 15 yard passes to Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson shouldn't be impacted very much by any wind. This game will be telecast for the second straight week by ESPN2, this time with announcers Mark Jones and Dusty Dvorak. It will be broadcast as usual on the Hawkeye Radio Network with announcers Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks. The contest will also be available on satellite radio, XM Channel 196, and Sirius 119. And just a reminder of the two key offensive trends we keep an eye on now in every game. The Hawkeyes are up to 33-2 and when rushing for 100 yards or more in a contest over the past four seasons, but 0-11 when failing to do that. And Iowa is 11-0 and when scoring 20 or more points in a game since the start of the 2017 season, and just 2-6 and when scoring less than 20 points a game. Is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? Probably not. No, but I do it anyway because it's sterile and I like the taste. Stanley jumping it off to his back. Maintaining his balance is Torn Young. Touchdown, Iowa. The strength to stay upright, and Nate Stanley has his fourth TD throw of the day. Or the strength that Iowa is showing, and that was Torn Young keeping it alive and a 28-10 Iowa lead. Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who provides his assessment of this year's Maryland team. As we look at them, first thing that stands out, it's a little bit like last week where we don't have a lot of familiarity with them. I uh, haven't played them since 15, and we only played them two in a two-game series, so it's a little bit uh, almost like starting over again, like a non-league game in some ways. So, you know, we've got work to do just like they did, I'm sure. And what we have found is that they're a really good football team. They've got a lot of, a lot of really good players, very talented. They've got good size, good speed, good athleticism, and they, they can do a lot of things very, very well. And I think it's in all three phases. The special teams, they play hard. Got a lot of guys that pre- present problems for you. Good return guy on the kick, kick team. Their running back is a very dangerous uh, dangerous return guy. Just a bunch of guys that play well on core. A lot of guys that have role play, uh, play roles, excuse me, on core special teams. And uh, they're very aggressive, very well coached. So that's first and foremost. And you move into the defense, they play a three-man three front. Uh, again, they've got big physical guys in their front seven. Uh, 
good secondary. Those guys play well. And so, you know, our focus is going to have to be really good and preparation is going to have to be good there and then flipping it over on offense. It's it's not like playing Georgia Tech exactly, but there's some parallels in it in that they're primarily, uh, their strength is in running the football. And when they do throw it, they tend to be real big plays. But I think that the parallel to Georgia Tech is that uh, there's just a lot of things going on. It's a really uh, important week for us mentally. It's a different preparation than we're used to. We do a lot of shifts, a lot of motions, a lot of things to different sets to get you, catch you off guard. And the thing that jumps out at you is how many big plays come out of that. So if our guys aren't on the same page, if they aren't communicating well, you open the door for some really big plays. And that's uh, one of the big dangers by playing these guys. Obviously, they've got good players. They've got a big physical line, veteran line, and uh, probably as, as big as we'll see. Ference was asked about why Iowa's passing game is as good as it's been the last few games. Me personally, I just think it's, you know, we're a little bit more experienced than we were. You know, we were really inexperienced last year at the receiver position, tight end position, quarterback position. Other than that, we are doing okay. Uh, we had backs that had some experience, but, you know, I think just it's a, kind of a combination of those guys being more experienced, and I'd, I'd throw our tackles in, too. You know, those guys were both freshmen, at least when Boone and Ike went down, and that was pretty early in the season. So, you know, we just had a lot of young young players last year on offense. I think it showed at times, and uh, we were very inconsistent. Sometimes we looked really good. And, uh, at least right now, we're a little bit more consistent. We certainly can improve in that area, but I think, you know, we just have a little bit better balance now and better experience. Maryland has an interim head coach in Matt Canada after D.J. Durkin was placed on paid administrative leave prior to the season's start. Ference was asked about the job Canada has done holding the Maryland team together under trying circumstances. I don't know uh, all the details of what's going on there. You know, you kind of do from a distance, but really I've been paying close attention. I just know uh, it had to be a really challenging time for everybody there, their entire staff and their football team. So the way they're playing, you have to give everybody credit, but it starts with him. I mean, he's certainly been the one who pulled them all together and just kept everybody going in the right direction. And when you watch film, you would never know there was any turbulence there. So that's impressive. And then, you know, our, our paths have overlapped a little bit through familiarity in the conference. And we have some guys that know him from Northern Illinois Connection, that type of thing, too. So everything I've always heard about him is just uh, stellar. Uh, and most recently, he's been really recognized nationally. You know, uh, uh, it's kind of interesting, his track. But, uh, you know, he's, he's been very highly regarded as a really good offensive coach. And I think he's shown an ability to do more than that and just, you know, really pull everybody together in a cohesive unit. So it's very impressive. Kirk was asked about his own offensive coordinator and son, Brian Ferentz, and whether he felt any additional pressure after he named him OC and how much he second guesses Brian's play calls. No, not really. You know, I think probably um, it's, it's like, you know, we've had three of them play here, three sons play here. Uh, it really hasn't affected me or impacted me in a, a great, uh, great way other than, you know, I feel fortunate that way uh, to watch him every day and be around him every day, even if I'm not working with him directly. You know, really it gets down to them having to do their jobs. And I think they, the pressure was really on them, all three of them, uh, to prove themselves to the most of all their teammates, you know, prove their worth to those guys and show that they, they deserved, you know, to be on the team and then also deserve to, you know, get whatever spot they got. So I, I think that's probably probably fair to say, you know, it's more on their shoulders than mine. And uh, But really what it gets down to, I've got a job to do. You know, he's got a job to do. He had a job before that to do. And uh, when they're playing, they have a job to do too. So it's really, I think most most of us involved, you know, we're trying to bring our best to the to the team and do what we can to help help the team be successful. And I think that's that's how he looks. I don't want to speak for him, but I've been around him a while now, so I, I think uh, I think I understand how he thinks pretty pretty well. I'm a great second guesser. Are you kidding me? I'm like a fan, no, but uh, no. There's, there's really no. It's 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 amazing. It may not sound believable, but.
what it is. It's just, you know, we operate like we've always operated. And, uh, you know, whether it was Greg or Ken, you know, fortunately we haven't had 8 million play callers. But uh, whoever's doing it, that's a, that's a really hard job. Uh, I grew an appreciation for that at a young age. You know, and there, there's always, you know, geez, I'd do this or that. It's easy to say that. You know, I've learned that real fast. So whoever it is calling plays, you know, we all, we all of course, were, you know, correspond a little bit between series. But when the guy's in a series, uh, that guy's going with it. And, you know, unless you know, there may be a situation where I say, hey, let's run it or we're going to go for it on fourth or whatever, those types of things. Just try to give him information so he can do his job as well as possible. But yeah, try not to second guess. That's a hard job. And Ference talks about this team's chemistry and how important that is to success. It's huge in success. I think it's huge in any team activity or, or group activity. And I do see it, you know, and it, it's been ongoing. Uh, it's interesting. I think teams develop personalities, good, bad, or indifferent as the season goes on or the year goes on. And I said it back in April, you know, I'm not sure what our personality was. It was kind of bland. Uh, we had good guys, don't get me wrong, but it's just, you know, I don't think the team had started. And that really took place over the summer. And, and it typically does because it's a really intense period of training and things to tell or uh, show, show themselves a little bit, I think, during the, especially in the month of July. But, you know, as it went on, the guys, you know, the guys in front have just been doing, they've been so consistently doing a good job. And uh, we don't have many of them. But as I said the other day, I think we got a lot of guys that are in the junior sophomore class that are right there with those seniors. And that that's really kind of coming together a little bit. And, and we're going to get tested the next six weeks. There's no doubt about that. We're only halfway through the season. So you know, there are going to be more bumps in the road, more adversity to fi- uh, face and those types of things. And then we'll find out more about the team. But I, I feel good about the guys we have. I mean, they're they're all committed to doing things well. And you know, I haven't seen any you know cases of ego setting in or that kind of stuff, That this or that. And that, those are the kinds of things that get teams off the track sometimes. <laughs> Visit HawkeyesMike.com and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Medium and Twitter. Next, we hear from Maryland interim head coach Matt Canada, who discusses his team's focus on turnovers and the importance of the turnover margin to the Terps. Obviously, on defense, we talk about you know getting the football, and that's something that's been going on here. You know, I think that the the football, whoever's got it, you have a chance to score. So they're trying to be around the ball. We're trying to get takeaways. We're trying to strip the football. We're trying to be you know ball hawks when it's in the air and go act like it's our ball, and not theirs. So I think our defense is doing a great job. Obviously, we got one on special teams Saturday, which was again, if you saw it. We obviously watched it on film and showed our football team. I mean, he's flying down the field on the kickoff team. You know, an, an odd kick, the ball bounces. I mean, it's like it was like a sandwich. It spun back to us, but it was perfect. I mean, he ran, but his effort of flying to the football and doing his job got him around the football. So that's what we on defense. We're always talking about it. And then obviously offensively, we start every every day with you know, with ball security. We're trying to hold the football and protect the football. Um, obviously, we've had we've had five on offense right now, all in the quarterback room. So we have to continue to minimize that but we're trying to protect the ball. It is, if you're given the privilege of carrying the, the football, that's a really, really big honor because the whole team's counting on you to do your job. Is again, you're not more important than the other 10 guys on the field, but you do have the ball. So we make a big deal about it. As interim head coach so far the entire season, Canada was asked about how important it is for some resolution for the staff and the team going forward. What anybody wants, it doesn't matter. So I think, you know, we're taking it day by day. I think, you know, we said that from the beginning, and I think that was a good plan at the time. That's what we're doing. We're, pr- we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing. I've continued to say how proud we are as a staff of our players for focusing on 
football on each other, going through a grieving process. Uh, all those things are what, what are really, really matter, and that's all we can do. So right now, I'm still the offensive coordinator who gets to come in here and stand up and talk to you guys, which is awesome. And, um, but other than that, we go back in there, and we're just working. And uh, I don't think there's any other answer for it. I mean, it is what it is. There's people who are making those decisions. But right now, as a football program, we're working as hard as we can to do the best job we can today. And tomorrow, we'll see what tomorrow is. Matt Canada was asked about the challenges posed with Iowa's great tight end play to go along now with the emerging play of its wide receivers. They use their tight ends well. They've got great players. I think their quarterback, Stanley, you know, he's had a tremendous game last week. He is playing at a very high level. He's been there for a while in their system. Again, the great thing about that program is they have a system that they continue to learn and teach and go and over time those players know what it is so I think their ability to throw the football they're scoring points um, they're doing a great job and it starts it starts with the quarterback but obviously going back you know they're really really good up front their offensive line is is you know one of the best in the country and then they have those weapons as you mentioned that you have to cover everybody and that presents challenges for us so our defense has got a great challenge ahead of them to try to to try to you know minimize their opportunities to make big plays and Canada discusses the challenges posed by Iowa's excellent defensive line play and particularly its pass rush. Well, again, their scheme is, you know, you line up and you watch them. They, they bring pressure when they feel they need to get home, but they get a lot of pressure with just those four front the front four players they have. They're strong. They play great with their hands, um, and they create a lot of chaos for you on offense. So you've got to be able to get rid of the football on time which it sounds like you're saying, well, the quarterback, that's not the quarterback, right? The wideouts have to get open on time. The, the play caller has to call a play that works on time. And then, obviously, we have to block them well enough to let the, let the quarterback get rid of the ball on time. If you sit back there and hold the football, good, bad things happen. So, again, it's still 11 men doing their job, but they are a tremendous defense. They're not, I mean, they've given up, really given up points in only two games, and obviously the Wisconsin game, you know, they scored 14 points, I think, the last minute, six seconds of the game, right? They went in and scored to take the lead, and then late in the game got another one. So, they are uh, they're a tremendous, tremendous defense that's playing everybody very, very well. And it's a huge challenge for us to go in there and, and find a way to move the football a little bit and score some points. First and goal from the four. Stanley on the rollout, drops it off. Touchdown oh, to Austin Kelly, the fullback. And it's a career high for Nate Stanley with touchdown number six today. What a day. Running the ball, passing the ball, strong in the pocket. And you want to talk about giving dog a bone right there. That's a fullback. That's the backup fullback, Beth, getting in on the action today. And why not, right? Everybody else is getting a chance. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319 848 4191 or toll free at 1 800 383 7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663.
time now for our Reporter's Notebook feature this week with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve reflects on the Big Ten road win at Indiana, and he previews the matchups in this Saturday's game, Iowa-Maryland for homecoming in Iowa City, and we talk some Big Ten. Steve, our usual routine here before we look ahead to the Iowa-Maryland game on homecoming in Iowa City. Let's reflect on another Big Ten road win for the Hawkeyes and a more explosive offense from Iowa. Yeah, a, a, a terrific offensive performance. And, you know, the, the ground game got going a little bit despite the absence of, of Ivory Kelly Martin. Nate Stanley and uh, and the tight ends put on a show in Bloomington. And, and the Hoosiers simply had no, no answer for, for what either uh, Noah Fant or, or T.J. Hawkinson brought to the table. Uh, you know, it, it was a terrific step forward for an offense that's uh, gaining some traction here uh, as you, as the midpoint of the season, uh, you know, is upon us, and, and uh, there's been some considerable growth. And to to, uh, to watch Stanley complete 21 of 32 passes and and, uh, and do so with uh, with some flair was pretty impressive. Second straight game for Nate with uh, passing for over 300 yards, and his, his stats over the last four games are pretty incredible, especially for an Iowa quarterback hitting uh, over 66% of his passes, nearly 1,200 yards and 14 touchdowns. Those are those are about as good a number as you could want, I think. Yeah, his season percentage, you know, which was kind of hovering a little over 50% after a couple of games and people were kind of raising an eyebrow or two, that's, that's risen to, to over 62% for the season. And, you know, I think that's the kind of growth that people were expecting out of Nate this season. And, you know, if he, if he continues on at that clip, uh, I was going to have a pretty special year. Let's turn the page now. It's Iowa's homecoming game this weekend. Maryland Terrapins come in. An explosive offense for Maryland, primarily relying on the run game. Iowa on a roll offensively itself. Let's first look at the matchup between Iowa's offense and Maryland's defense. Uh, they have some pretty terrific playmakers. They're, they're a physical defense and, and they're very uh, often in the attack mode. Yeah, one of the things Nate Stanley brought up pretty quickly on Tuesday was this might be the most physical team that Iowa has seen so far this season. And when you consider that they've played Wisconsin and, and uh, you know, an Iowa State team that, that kind of brings it as well, that's, that's saying something. And there is no question that uh, that Maryland has some guys who, who certainly can make some plays and, and, and have done so on a, on a fairly consistent basis. Uh, their leading tackler is, is actually a guy that I was a little bit familiar with. Trey Watson is a, is a grad transfer from Illinois. I had five tackles in, in the uh, game against the Hawkeyes uh, last season at Kinnick. So uh, this will be his second straight homecoming in Iowa City. And, uh, uh, you know, he's part of a defense that, uh, uh, you know, at, at times has been pretty effective. Yeah, he's tied uh, ninth nationally at solo tackles at 6.3 a game. They've got a couple of other really good uh, linebackers and a player they call a position the nickel, Antoine Brooks, and also a, a really good safety in Darnell Savage. Yeah, Savage has four interceptions, and that's something that, that Maryland has done a, a really good job with. They're, they're uh, you know, fifth in the country and lead the Big Ten in turnover margin. 
They've done some, uh, you know, some big time things, including five picks last week against, uh, you know, and obviously a, a poor Rutgers team. But uh, uh, you, you still have to show up and, and play those games. And, and uh, you know, they, they were in a position to, to turn the ball over and put it in the hands of an offense that, that seems to know what to do with it. That turnover margin is an impressive number. It's a 3-4-4 base D. They also have 12 sacks. And in that turnovers, they've got 12 INTs and uh, two fumbles, so 14 gained. Pretty impressive numbers. On the other hand, Iowa's offensive line has given up just six sacks all season long and really done a, a solid job of protecting Nate Stanley pretty much the whole season. Yeah, they've given him time to really operate. And, and if you take a look at, at what's kind of developed on in, in the interior of that line, you know, it was a little bit of a question heading into the season. But, uh, you know, Keegan Render certainly has answered it. Ross Reynolds is playing some of the best football that he's played in an Iowa uniform at, at a guard position. It, it's it's a situation where we've seen some growth uh, and some cohesion. Uh, you know, I think that uh, in talking with with Keegan earlier this week, uh, you know, he, he said the communication that that's going on is is really making this thing work, and and, and they're they're accomplishing what they set out to do, and that is to give Nate enough time to kind of do his thing at, at quarterback. They've they've uh, been able to to hold people off and give Nate a chance to to kind of operate at quarterback, and and it seems to be making this whole thing go. And you know, the, the fact that Iowa was able to kind of take a step forward last week in the run game, I think that's uh, that's another significant step. And and uh, you know, certainly Torn Young is listed as a starter this week, uh, and, and he's positioned himself for that with uh, with 96 yards against the Hoosiers. The Hawkeyes have done this without having a 100-yard rusher yet this season, which is you know a little unusual for for what uh, we've become accustomed to. But uh, uh, this running back by committee seems to be working. Yeah, and they get Ivory Kelly Martin back this this week. You're running out of superlatives, really, when you are describing Iowa's tight ends, Noah Fant and T.J. Hawkinson. What a force. Yeah, you know, and it's nice to see them get some national recognition this week for what they've been able to do. It, you know, it, it has been a collective thing, and I think they, they seem to enjoy playing uh, on the field at the same time. And, you know, certainly I think that they're in a situation where they're, they're creating really some major issues for defenses that just aren't tooled to, to deal with, you know, either their size or their quickness. And, you know, the combination uh, that those two guys bring to that position, uh, you know, it, it's not just, uh, you know, that they're 6'5 and, and, and 240 or 250. Uh, you know, it, it, it's that they can they can move. And uh, uh, that's where Indiana, I think, really underestimated Iowa. And Tom Allen talked about that uh, not only on Saturday, but again on Monday uh, as to how those two guys were really, uh, uh, you know, game changers in, in, in just terms of, of Indiana's inability to, to deal with them defensively. And it, it gave them a lesson in how that they've got to continue to work on their strength and conditioning program to, to be in a position to compete against guys like that. Uh, you know, and from everything we've heard, you know, Fanton and Hawkinson aren't the only two tight ends in the Iowa program who, who uh, can bring that. And, and I think that's uh, moving forward. That That's a pretty good situation at that position. And I think the consensus is that we're finally seeing the emergence of uh, very good play at the wide receiver position. Yeah, it's been kind of fun to watch over the last couple of weeks. Brandon Smith certainly had a breakthrough game at Minnesota. And, you know, Amir Smith-Marset just continues to, to uh, bring more consistency to the table. And, you know, I think that was kind of the next step for him a year ago. He was getting targeted a few times and, and, and you know, not able to hold on to the ball. And, you know, what we see now is, you know, the experiences that he's had, he's learned from, he, he's developing into the receiver that people thought he could be. And, you know, that's giving Iowa a chance to kind of stretch the field vertically. And it's, it's been a long time coming. And, and it certainly is something that, uh, you know, those passes may not be 50 yards downfield, but if you can, if you can throw it 15 to 
20 and then running another 20 yards, uh, it, it all adds up to 45 to 50, and it's a good thing. I was averaging 31.8 points per game, nine rushing touchdowns. I think the surprising number probably for most of us is 15 passing touchdowns, nearly 412 yards of total offense per game, but Maryland's defense has been pretty solid all season. Who has the advantage in this matchup? Yeah, I, I think this is a situation where Iowa, uh, as long as they can deal with, with the, the pressure that, that Maryland's going to bring, I think it's a, it's a similar type situation that the Hawkeyes have been in before, and as long as uh, that offensive line holds up, I think Iowa has a chance to, to take advantage of things on this side of the ball. All right, let's look at Iowa's defense matching up against a pretty potent Maryland offense. Uh, talking about Maryland's offense, you really start with a running game, almost start and finish with a running game, because while they've had a few big pass plays, it's clearly a team that relies on the run and motion and funky things, even putting an offensive tackle in motion pre-snap sometimes, but very effective on the ground. It's what they're built on, and, and, and they you know they don't make any uh, any bones about it. It, it is what they are, and, and uh, you know and they certainly have a, a terrific senior in, in, in Ty Johnson that uh, is sitting at fourth uh, on, on their career rushing list. You know, the per-game numbers aren't going to pop out, but much like Iowa, they kind of do it a little bit by committee, but Johnson certainly is, is a big play waiting to happen if you give them that opportunity. And, you know, they're, they're going to try to, to confuse the Iowa defense with a lot of misdirections and some uh, shifts and that kind of thing. And it, it's going to require the Hawkeyes to really bring some, some solid discipline this week defensively. They've got to remain true to their assignments and, and, and not bite on some of the, the things that they're going to see uh, the Turks doing because that just plays in their hands. One of the reasons that Maryland has been so productive in terms of making big plays is, is that they, they get people to kind of bite a little bit on, on their trickery and uh, it opens up some opportunities for, for a, you know, a, a redshirt freshman quarterback in, in, in the Kasim Hill that is, is a, uh, you know, a, he's not a terrific passer. He's completing about 54% of his passes, but, but when they, when they have been able to, uh, to get people to bite a little bit, they've been able to come up with some awfully big plays. They've got two other running backs that have some very impressive numbers. Uh, Anthony McFarland, who's a redshirt freshman. He's uh, averaging, he's been terrific the last three games, 402 yards rushing, nearly nine a, a, an attempt. And then Teon Fleet Davis, who already has three rushing touchdowns and one through the air. Yeah, and all three of those guys, along, including Ty Johnson, have had 100-yard rushing performances. Johnson and McFarland are averaging over eight yards per carry, which tells you what kind of production that they, they've been getting out of their their run attack. And, you know, and a lot of that is created by uh, by their misdirection and and uh, and and their ability to to kind of bust some big plays, and that's something that Iowa, you know, the the immediate uh, conversation on Tuesday was the comparison to to what they saw from the triple option that Georgia Tech presented in the Orange Bowl almost a decade ago now. But this is it's a unique offense. It, it it's not a triple option attack, but they just do a lot of, of misdirection stuff that really puts a premium on on defensive execution. They've had 11 different players scored touchdowns through their first six games. They have 21 total touchdowns, but they're perfect in the red zone, 15 of 15, and back to their turnover margin, they've only thrown three interceptions and two lost fumbles the entire season. Yeah, they, they do take pretty good care of the football, and, and, and that combined with the, the turnovers that their defense has been able to cause has really put them in a position to, to do some big things. If you look back at their, their game against Texas, it was a series of big plays that uh, they kind of turned that thing. They're the only team that's beaten the Longhorns this year. A lot of that had to do with their big 
big play potential and, and execution. It caught the Longhorns a little off guard, and, and uh, it kind of shows you what, what can happen if, if you're not assignment sound defensively. Yeah, 32 points nearly per game. 245 on the ground, only 120 through the air. That's their averages, but they're coming up against an Iowa defense that ranks pretty high in the key categories nationally and in the Big Ten and seems to be getting, if anything, even better and now doing some little twists on the base 4-3 defense, primarily due to the injuries they've had, but you get Nick Neiman back, which I think is important, especially in a game like this and an offense like this, and you're still starting your two uh, freshman cornerbacks, but all four of them should be available in this game. And Christian Welch, who again lost his starting job early in the season, continues to do a really nice job plugging in wherever he seems to need to be plugged in. Yeah, and it's been very beneficial given the injury situations that have kind of developed at linebacker. Jack Hockaday uh, is expected to be out again this week. He's uh, getting closer to a return, but uh, that apparently will not happen this time around. And, and I think that... Uh, you know, the the ability to, to kind of mix and match defenders based on what they're seeing is something that I think is going to be very beneficial down the road. Give Maryland's, you know, penchant for the run game. This may be a game where it would be a situation where uh, those linebackers and, and linebacker play in particular is going to be fairly critical to, to go with what Iowa is getting up front. The guys up front have done a terrific job of, of holding onto those blocks and, and, and not being able to, uh, you know, let anybody get anything going on the ground. Iowa giving up just over 81 yards a game rushing to opponents and you know that that uh, ranks second in the in the Big Ten to uh, to the numbers that the Michigan State is putting up but it's it's uh, they've been pretty salty against teams that like to run the football and you know that would certainly play uh, in, into uh, an intriguing matchup this week with, with the Terps. 20 sacks second in the Big Ten Anthony Nelson and AJ Epinesa each have five to your point about how good the defensive line has been that's a number that continues to stand out. Yeah, you know, those guys have just been very consistent, and, and this rotation thing is working out probably even better than uh, Reese Morgan maybe would have anticipated when he when he kind of uh, lobbied for it and implemented it to, to a degree a year ago, and it's it's really grown from there. And I, it's, the thing when you talk to the players about it, one of the things that they really like is just that ability to, to not only stay fresh and, and, and to, to keep a fresh body on, on the field and, and keep their... It keeps their minds into it too and they're able to come off the field a little bit converse with each other talk about what they're seeing and then go back out and 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 build off of what they've learned from from their conversations with one another at times and you know it, it's uh, it's been an interesting uh, you know thing to watch grow and develop and and uh, you know the back end with uh, with hooker and and, and Gervas at the safety positions and now Gino stone contributing there as well it, it's it's been a collaborative effort and it's certainly something that is uh, uh, giving Iowa a chance to, to do some uh, some really good things defensively. Yeah, Hooker's really showed his versatility, too, and a lot of discussion at Kirk's press conference Tuesday about what Phil Parker might come up with here in, in a short time span, really, with, against an unfamiliar offense in terms of what he might be able to come up with to try to slow them down, and it'll be interesting to see what Hooker does this week and, you know, how he plays, especially with Nick Neiman back. All right, so this is a, this is a critical matchup, obviously. Obviously, here in this game, Iowa's defense against uh, Maryland's offense, who has the edge? I, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, it's certainly a, a, an intriguing matchup because of the, the 
challenge that Maryland's offense will, will face. It's something that Iowa hasn't seen much of in a long time. I do think that the Hawkeyes have the experience, particularly up front, to, to deal with it. As long as, as uh, some of those newbies on the back end can kind of uh, hold their own and, and, and remain true to, to what they're being asked to do, I think this is a type of, of uh, game where you know Iowa may give up and can probably be expected to give up a big play or two, but their ability to rebound and, and uh, follow that with with the sound fundamental football that we've seen from this group, I, I think gives Iowa a, a slight edge at this situation. Not unlike the the, uh, the defensive effort that Michigan uh, put out there against Maryland a couple weeks back. Uh, if you take a look at, at what they did, they were able to to, to really uh, uh, not necessarily limit them totally, but they certainly uh, made it uncomfortable for Maryland. And if Iowa can do that, I think that plays into their hands. Most weeks we don't seem to have a whole lot to talk about on special teams, but this week there's a couple of pretty interesting things. You have a true freshman place kicker for Maryland that is 100%, 5 of 5 field goals, 25 of 25 PATs. They've got a a really good punter as well, a guy named Wade Lees, who's averaging 41.5, but that's not as good as Rastatter's doing so far this season. And maybe the most interesting thing is Amir Smith-Marset leading the nation in average kickoff returns at 37.4. And Iowa leading the nation in, in kickoff returns as a team at, at uh, 30, a little over 33. It's been interesting to, to watch how significant uh, uh, that group has become. And, and, you know, one of the things that, that Kirk talked about when, when they decided to dedicate LeVar Woods as a coordinator for special teams was that they wanted to make that part of the game an advantage for Iowa. And, and certainly we're seeing that uh, in how, uh, you know, Smith-Marset has developed. Uh, he certainly brings a, a little spark and some electricity to that position. Some of his uh, runbacks have not always been the most most uh, orthodox of, of, of uh, runbacks, but they certainly are helping Iowa, you know, get some great field position, uh, whether it be the 60-yarder or the 49-yarder he's had over the last couple of weeks. It, uh, they put Iowa in a position with a short offensive field to, to uh, you know, help the offense, and, and that's ideally the way it's supposed to work. And, uh, you know, Kyle Gronenweg is, is contributing as well to that, and, and uh, if uh, we can uh, watch him continue to develop and, you know, if there's any more in the tank there in, in punt returns, it can become a pretty valuable part of, of, of this Iowa football team. Before we talk prediction, let's quick glance at the Big Ten. Besides Iowa's dominant victory over Indiana last week, you had Northwestern beating Nebraska in overtime. It's like Nebraska's looking for new ways to lose games. Michigan State upending Penn State and Michigan handling Wisconsin, which kind of puts Iowa back in the hunt a little bit for the Big Ten West. And this week you've got some key games in the Big Ten. Michigan at Michigan State. Ohio State at Purdue might be interesting. And who knows what's going to happen Minnesota at Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, you know, four teams in the West now with one loss in the standings. Northwestern with that uh, half-game edge at this point. But, uh, you know, certainly Iowa, Wisconsin, and Purdue, which faces three straight challenges here. They, they have not only Ohio State at home this week, but they go to Michigan State next week before Iowa shows up in, in West Lafayette in a couple weeks. So, you know, if, if Purdue is going to do any uh, damage in, in the division, they certainly have a, a you know, a terrific opportunity in front of them to, to make their make some noise, but uh, uh, they could also fall by the wayside pretty quickly. The matchup, the, the Michigan-Michigan State matchup on, on the eastern side is, is, is pretty interesting. Michigan State has had a ton of injuries on the offensive side of the ball, so they've had to rely on defense to, to win football games, and that's how they, you know, 
one was successful last week at, at Penn State, which I'm sure will be, you know, prepared to take out their frustrations on Indiana on Saturday. And uh, you're right, the uh, Minnesota-Nebraska game has a lot of intrigue for a lot of different reasons. And, uh, you know, Scott Frost still searching for any sort of a, a success to, to build on. They, they celebrated a, a, a good practice the other day and uh, earlier in the week with, uh, and, and, you know, at this point at 0-6, you're looking for those little victories that uh, they've lost three games by a touchdown or less and, and, and let a 10 point lead slip away in the final minutes of regulation at, at Northwestern last week. And, you know, what he said he hopes is he doesn't want his players to become content with, with, uh, with losing. And that is something you have to guard against at this point. And, uh, you know, certainly uh, Minnesota has had its ups and downs. They competed favorably against Ohio state uh, for a while uh, last week on the road in Columbus. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see if Minnesota, which I felt had some really nice young talent that, that uh, you know, is probably a year, a year and a half away from, from being a, a real consistent threat in the division. Uh, I thought that they, you know, they certainly have some potential. It'll be interesting to see what happens when those two get together. Northwestern's probably going to keep its lead in the West because if there's a more hapless team, certainly in the Big Ten, maybe nationally, Rutgers 1-6 and six and 0-4 and is, is it. And yet, I thought one of the funniest things I heard come out of a Big Ten football coach's mouth all year long was Pat Fitzgerald comparing Rutgers and Nebraska in his press conference this week. Yeah, it certainly it certainly was, you know, something that you don't expect to hear on, a, on an annual basis, certainly. But uh, given the situation of where the two programs are at right now, it, it's uh, probably a fair comparison. Okay, back to Iowa-Maryland. This will be the third homecoming game that the Hawkeyes have played in. The last two on the road, obviously. Maryland at Iowa. What's your prediction? Yeah, I think this is a game that, uh, you know, it wouldn't stun me to see Maryland, uh, you know, put a, put some points up early in this one, I think. They've been fairly successful at that all season. I do think it is a game that Iowa should be able to have enough firepower offensively, given what we've seen the last couple of weeks, and enough consistency defensively to, to withstand a, uh, you know, a few uh, a few bumps in the road along the way. I'm, I'm taking the Hawkeyes in this one, 31 to 17. I think it's a game that Iowa will pull away late, and uh, it should end up being a happy homecoming weekend in Iowa City. I pick the balls. Our equipment guys do a great job of breaking the balls. To me, they're perfect. Perfect. I don't want anyone touching the balls after that. I don't want anyone rubbing them. To me, those balls are perfect. Breaking the balls, I choose the balls. I wouldn't want anyone touching those. I would zip those things up and lock them away. Mother Nature and with, with the balls. So whatever feels good that day. Thing. I'm not squeezing the balls. I'm not, you know, I don't, that's not part of my process. I, I grab it. I feel the lace. I feel the leather. Um, I feel the tack on the ball. Breaking our own balls. Breaking the balls for all the quarterbacks to have the balls in play. Some guys like them thin. Some guys like them uh, tacky. Some guys like them brand new. Some guys like old balls. I mean, they're all different. Some guys like old balls. Some guys like old balls. They also know that how I like the balls and I tell them how great they are before the game. So this is a very serious, you know, topic. Hawkeyes will improve to five and one. Indiana will drop to four and three on the season. Pretty good show by Iowa today, Beth. I mean, a lot of people are hyping this game up, that firing offense from Indiana. Does Iowa have enough to hold out? Well, they were the show today. Passing game. You talked about the balance. I've been impressed with what I've seen today. Final score from Bloomington, 42-16. Iowa with the win over Indiana. Our 
Our thanks again to ESPN2 for the Iowa-Indiana game highlights. And thanks, as always, to Steve Batterson. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike program. All of our podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Overcast, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 12 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes, all the time, on HawkeyesMike.com, one passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.